So it's on page 1617, um, Luke 11 from verse 29. So as the crowds increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asked for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevehs, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Your foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, ruin all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk all over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you built tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testified that you approve what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you built their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely, and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. It would be great if you could leave uh, your Bibles open. Over the past few weeks, we've been uh, following Jesus as he sets out resolutely to go to Jerusalem. And the question that Luke asks his readers is, are you seeing Jesus for who he really is? Are you seeing him for who he really is? Now Mary, of course, sees the importance of listening to Jesus. 
and learning from him. The disciples also see that it's important to learn how to pray. However, last week, there were some who didn't recognize Jesus. Rather, they accuse him of being of the devil. They see Jesus, but they don't recognize him. They are seeing, but not perceiving. They are hearing, but not understanding. Today we're going to look at this passage under three headings. Seeing the sign, seeing the light, and living the light. But first, will you pray with me? Our gracious Father, we need your help. We need your help every day. We need your help to understand your word now. And so we pray that you would come among us by your spirit. That you would open our eyes that we might see your glory and the glory of your son. Please teach us now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you believe it? Those whom I love accuse me of selective listening. Can you believe it? Those whom I love accuse me of selective looking. A male look for lost keys. A dad look for lost anything. Can you believe it? Like the crowds that are following Jesus, we all at times can listen but fail to hear. We can look and fail to see. The crowds following Jesus increase. And it's obvious that Jesus is not about just winning friends. In verse 29, he calls them a wicked generation. Jesus' aim is not to win friends, but to reveal his true nature. And Jesus has shown signs of his true identity as the Son of God already in Luke's Gospel. He has raised a young girl from the dead. He has healed a sick woman. He's healed a demon-possessed boy. And last week we saw that he enabled a mute man to speak his first words. But like the driver who's being interviewed after the road accident, talking to the police and saying, I didn't see the sign, I, I, I just didn't see the sign, the crowds were seeing but not perceiving. So in verse 29 we see that Jesus says, there will be no other sign but the sign of Jonah. And we all know the story of the reluctant prophet Jonah, the runaway prophet, who's told to go to Nineveh to declare God's judgment on the people. But he goes in the opposite direction. We know of the storm and him being thrown overboard. We know that he was swallowed. We know that three days later he's spewed out and he declares that salvation comes from the Lord. He goes to Nineveh and to his surprise and anger, all the people from the king down, repent. They repent. The sign of Jonah is in part the U-turn sign, the sign of repentance. 
It is listening to God, turning to God, seeking God, seeking His forgiveness on His terms. On His terms. Jesus' generation would see the sign of Jonah played out before them in a much more dramatic way. You see, Jesus himself is the sign. Jesus would be swallowed up by death. He would be plunged into darkness and evil, taking upon himself the sin of the world. And then on the third day, he would be raised. He would be raised as a sign for all the world to see that he truly is the way, the way back to God the Father. His resurrection and his ascension would open up the way for for Jews and Gentiles of that generation, and indeed all generations, to come back to God, to turn back to the true and living God. Through Jesus, they and we are offered forgiveness and salvation from judgment. Those with far less evidence to go on than the crowds that were around Jesus, people like the Ninevites and the Queen of Sheba, we are told are going to stand up and condemn those who fail to see Jesus as God's Son incarnate, who fail to see Jesus as the sign of God's grace. If Jesus' generation was referred to as wicked, I wonder how he would describe us. After all, we've heard repeatedly the good news of Jesus saving death and resurrection. We we have the scriptures available to us, God's wisdom daily, at the turn of a page, at the click of a key, just one screen away. We also had the witness of believers from many, many generations. But are we daily seeing the sign? Or are we growing spiritually blind? Looking, but not with eyes wide open. Looking, but not seeing. Jesus goes on to teach us to have our eyes wide open to the light. Now in verse 33 there, there is a a statement about light and lamps. And Jesus is the light. He is the lamp in verse 33. Uh, He was not hidden but placed on a stand they call Golgotha for the whole world to see. Elsewhere in the scriptures, Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world. The imagery changes slightly in verse 34. Please have a look at verse 34 with me. It says, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is full of darkness. I want you to just look down at that footnote there. It's a very helpful uh, hint for us. 
It's helpful to know that the word healthy here also means generous. And unhealthy means stingy. Stingy. If our eyes are healthy, if they are generous, if they are wide open and receptive to the light, to Jesus, if our eyes are focused on Jesus, we will be transformed from the inside out. You will become full of light and light will flow out of you. However, if your eyes are unhealthy, stingy, squinting, half-closed, not taking in the light, your world will be full of darkness. And darkness will flow out. Light is entwined with kingdom living. Generously letting light in, letting Jesus in, And your living will increasingly reflect his light and his life. The key to living in a way that is consistent with the kingdom of God is having good spiritual vision. And that requires a constant intake of light. So if we see the things of this world as being more precious than God than his light Jesus then we will be in darkness but there's a sad thing here we will be in darkness but all the while we will be thinking we have light please look with me at verse 35 in verse 35 it says see to it then that the light within you is not darkness See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Left to our own resources, we can easily delude ourselves into thinking that we have the light in us. We'll see this shortly when we look at the Pharisees and the experts in the law. Letting light in requires our cooperation with God and an effort. Jesus says, see to it. Make an effort, do your part to ensure that the light within you is not darkness. We need to be working at focusing and refocusing on Jesus the light, on God's kingdom, on God's grace. And if we are letting light in on a regular basis... The darkness within us will dissipate. This is God's work of sanctification, gradually making us holy. And as the inner light flows out, the kingdom of God is able to be seen by those who have eyes to see, those who are open to the light. So we let light in when we open our eyes to God's glory, his wisdom, his power, his love in all that Jesus has done. We let God's light in when we ponder the mystery of the incarnation and the crucifixion and the resurrection. 
We let light in when we experience God's patience, his compassion, his continuing forgiveness in the face of our forgetfulness, in the face of our waywardness. We let God in when we meet together to sing his praise and to learn from his word. And as we do that, Christ dwells richly among us. And we're able to speak into each other's lives. And we're able to see Christ in each other. And the light continues to come in. We let light in when we live for the kingdom. Seeking to hallow God's name. So can I encourage us all tonight, please, seek the true light. The true light. So that the light within you is not darkness. Because whatever is within will come out. As we do these things individually and together, the light of Christ bears fruit in our hearts. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control begin to well up in us. And guess what? They flow out. They flow out. We will be living from the inside out. Jesus' focus then turns to the Pharisees and the experts of the law. These people are seeking to build God's kingdom. They're establishing a moral framework, a moral righteousness. They are striving for righteousness. And at first glance, that appears commendable. They want to be righteous. We all want to be righteous. Righteousness in both the Old and the New Testament, is about being approved, being accepted, hitting the mark, passing scrutiny. Like us and people of every culture, the Pharisees are hungry. They are hungry for acceptance and approval. This is a universal hunger. We all have it, but it becomes a universal righteousness problem. Because like the Pharisees, by nature, we tend to adopt an outside-in way of living. We tend to adopt an outside-in way of living. It sort of goes like this. I don't like myself all that much when I compare myself to others. I see them as better. I I want their approval. I I yearn for their approval. I I want to be likable. So I decide that I will live on the outside in a way that gains their approval, that gains their favour. I live in a way externally to impress others and gain their acceptance. Hoping that if I do this long enough and well enough, I'll feel better about myself on the inside. 
And if we pursue this long enough, we get to the point where we think our life is good and that my life will win God's approval. He will owe me for my good living. So is the path if we focus on externals. In verse 38, Jesus goes into the house of a Pharisee. And the Pharisee is surprised that Jesus doesn't wash before the meal. And Jesus is aware of this, and so he says this in verse 39. Please look with me at verse 39. Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Inside, in other words, you are stingy and full of darkness. God's focus has always been on the inside first. The inside. You remember when Samuel goes to anoint David as king. And God says to Samuel, in 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the, we know what it is, don't we? The heart. God looks at the heart. We see in verse 42 that the Pharisees striving for righteousness makes them pedantic nitpickers. They even, they even tithe their herbs. They create so much fine print in their lawmaking that they are forever squinting and not seeing the true light of God's word. Light is not getting in, so light is not coming out. Their focus is on, on the minuscule so much that they miss God's big ticket items. And you can see them there. You do not practice, you neglect justice, and most importantly, the love of God, the greatest commandment, they are neglecting. In verse 43, we see another way they strive for recognition. It's all about self-importance. They clamour for the best seats in the synagogue. They clamour for the place where they can be seen by most people. And as they do that, they push others down. Because no one's more important than me. In their world, it's about me. Under all this external morality is self-worship. And nothing changes on the inside. They are righteous in their own eyes, but the light in them is darkness. The same can be said about the experts of the law. They are generous, loading up people with burdens and stingy with offering compassion and mercy. They are dealers in death. 
They erect monuments in an attempt to cover up the sins of the past. But in so doing, they implicate themselves in their own dark history. Their external focus blinds them and others. Please look at verse 52. You have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. And Jesus' assessment that they are spreading darkness instead of light is shown to be true, because as Jesus leaves, they're already plotting. Verse 54, they are waiting to catch him in something that he might say. And we know, as Luke continues, that they are plotting to nail him. Outside in does not deal with our need, our hunger our ultimate need of approval and acceptance. It leads to further darkness. God, on the other hand, wants his light, his holiness, his glory to work in us and flow out of us in inside-out living. In Jesus alone... Can we find God's approval? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. Who has become for us wisdom of God. That is, Jesus has become for us our righteousness. Our holiness. Our redemption. Jesus comes in and will flow out. God's Spirit opens our eyes so that we see Jesus and his spotless righteousness as our only hope of God's approval and acceptance. It is Jesus alone who passes God's full scrutiny on the cross. Jesus takes the punishment for our inner darkness and is cast into the outer darkness. And all this so that we can stand before God cleansed, beloved children. So that we can stand before God approved of and accepted. This acceptance The acceptance of this gift of light in is life-changing. And it commences God's inside-out work of sanctification in us. In all those who see Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. All those who see Jesus as the sign of God's grace. Are you living the light? Not, are you a good moral person? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Is God's love flowing out of you more 
today than five years ago? Is God's love flowing out of you more today than two years ago? Can others get a sense that you are growing because they can see Christ flowing out of you? Do you find yourself struggling for God's approval? Or are you resting assured in what Jesus has done? Now all those questions are aimed at you and I as individuals. But equally important is are we together, are we together living out the light? Are we pointing each other through our words and actions to Jesus, the living word? To the Bible, the written word? When you are looking and when you are listening, are you selecting well? Are you selecting the right one to listen to and to look to? Are we selecting to listen and look to Jesus? Please help me and each other to look to Jesus so that our priority is about our inner cleanliness. Please encourage me and each other to open our eyes wide to God's glory so that we don't become nitpickers living stingy little lives rather than the abundant life that God wants us to live, the generous full life. Please urge me and each other to look to Jesus so that our self-importance and our approval-seeking is overwhelmed by his sacrificial love and acceptance. Together, let's see the sign. Let's see the light. Let's live the light. Let's pray. Father, deep down, we know that we at times try and impress other people and seek approval in places we shouldn't. Please continue to teach us to know that our approval and acceptance before you comes only through your son father please enable us to let the light in so that the light might flow out might flow out of even us to your glory and praise and we ask this in his name amen